Hey, ladies and gents. So, how are you all feeling? On this December 6th, it's a Tuesday night. We're going to take we're going to take some time with some calls and some other things tonight. Human interest stuff, open lines, you can call in with whatever. That's what we're going to be doing. Um, I have some things to open up with. And the main topic I have is based on a thread that has gotten a lot of entries and response, not only on on the official forum on the, the website, but also on the Twitter and everything else. And it's called Out of the Mouths of Babes. A little, you know, I, I guess uh, everybody has seen, seen kids say the darndest things. Well, it was something like that came to my mind because Lauren and I are just starting to walk into that what did she just say kind of a uh, phase with Aurora and I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start a thread out of the mouths of babes and see all of the things that people have memory of their children saying that has just shocked them profound things uh, creepy things I've read some creepy ass shit that has come from children it's like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, we'll see how creepy it gets tonight. But there's also funny things and embarrassing. Embarrassing things. So, I'd like to do that and uh, read some random things and take some calls and just see where it all it all, it all all leads us. Because, I don't know, the, mu- the news is pretty uh, uninteresting to me. And another, another night of Republican versus Democrat will really really make me feel like shit if you know what I mean um Kirstie Alley died Kirstie Alley died and I realized that as soon as I got off the air last night I saw it it was trending along with Scientology and we brought up Scientology last night I didn't know that she was gone though but I don't know that's um yeah anywho I want to thank my sponsors tonight, and that is SecretNatureCBD.com. This is something, again, wonderful holiday shopping alternatives and and ideas, especially when it comes to stocking stuffers, but this should be part of everybody's medicine chest, whether you like the smokables and it comes in all forms, oil, uh, just the flour itself. You can grind it and do whatever the hell you want with it. You can uh, can get the pre-rolls, the L's and the J's all CBD organic cannabis products which are legal in all 50 states and they come with all their legal uh, legal paperwork and every package whatever in case you have to keep something in the car if you're ever pulled over or something and for some reason there's a, a, a package in the car oh they, they they make sure that you're covered for everything but of course enjoy it on your back porch and just love life give your give yourself a nice little staycation but I uh, I want to thank them. They have kept a wonderful 20% off discount live for everybody in the audience if you use promo code FRANKLY. And it doesn't matter how many times you shop with them. Just keep using the code and you get a nice discount. 20% is, is ridiculous, my friends, as you know. As you know. But we have plenty of cool things coming up. Let me just remind you of our guests because there's a few other things that I added here. Black Conservative Patriot will be on with us on Monday. December 12th, this Monday coming up. Uh, 
And then Tuesday, we have Shane Cashman. He's the host of the Paranormal Podcast, Tales from the Inverted World. Jay Dyer comes on on the 14th to talk about Christmas, how Christmas and Santa are not pagan and other pagan myths. And then on the 15th, I haven't added it here, but I had it at home. On the 15th, um, Timothy Gordon comes on. We're going to be talking about this this article about how they, I think they found the birthplace of the original or the burial place of the original St. Nicholas or in any way, we'll do, do that. A couple other things. And I'm just looking into all of my other traditions because these last, the last couple of weeks of the year, man, we need some good feelings. We need some good feelings and I'm going to work hard to, um, to provide some of those for you and and my and myself too, I got to do that for me and my family if I can. However, I can I can I can ring it together. Um, let's see. Yeah, everything else you pretty much know, but that's what's coming up in the next seven to ten days. That's that. It is the sixth of December, my friends, the sixth. And for those of you who were not around when I mentioned this last week, I'll keep saying it at least once a week now. For those of you who want to become part of the Quite Frankly Book Club in 2023, I have an entire year worked out already. And um, you are going to be invited. You'll get invites to these special broadcasts for the book club if you are a monthly sponsor. Of any, It doesn't matter. It could be as little as $1 a month on the Squarespace through quitefrankly.tv on the sponsor us section or on any tier in Subscribestar or Patreon or now the um, the Foxhole. You can do a subscription on Foxhole and we'll be able to have your email provided to us by Foxhole so you can be part of the mailing lists. So that's it. If you're going to be part of the book club, all you got to do is become a sponsor at any level and it is just part of your sponsorship. January 2023, we're going to be reading C.S. Lewis' The Great Divorce with co-host Timothy Gordon. In March, just give us a little bit of buffer between each book because Great Divorce is only like 140 pages. It's not long at all. We should be able to do 30 or 40 pages a week and we'll be done with it in a couple of few weeks. It'll be nothing like Windswept House, which was a 600-something page banger. But that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? In March, we'll be doing Aldous Huxley's Brave New World with Jay Dyer. That's going to be great because Jay, aside from just analyzing what's going on on the pages and in the segments we're going to be doing, you know, Jay is going to be able to expand far outside the bounds and it's going to be, that'll be awesome. And then in summer, TBD, Alexi de Tocqueville's Democracy in America, perfect for the summertime. And fall 2023, God willing, Mario Puzo's The Godfather. I cannot wait to read that for the first time. Um, it's been all all behind the scenes and all watching the movies over and over again, especially Godfather 1 and 2, masterpieces. Absolute masterpieces. And now reading about how they were all put together is just cozy as hell but the source material never touched it before and that's going to be a lot of fun so go out you can give each other gifts like that for your for christmas as well to get ready for 2023 reading and that's what we got all right into the grab bag we go what can we sharpen our fangs on number one here is another one from elon musk and twitter my jaw hit the floor. Musk fires Twitter's FBI Russiagate lawyer over vetting debacle. 
Elon Musk on Tuesday announced that the former attorney, James Baker, who came to Twitter to serve as deputy general counsel, has been fired after vetting recently uh, released evidence of Twitter's election interference unbeknownst to, Mon to Musk. In light of concerns about Baker's possible role in suppression of information uh, important to public dialogue, he was, uh, he was exited from Twitter today, Musk wrote on Twitter, replying to a December 4th Jonathan Turley article shedding light on the incestuous relationship between Twitter, Biden scandals, and Baker. Baker should have been one of the first people to get fired once Musk took over just because of uh, what he represented on the, the Russia lie end and turning all of our friends and family into... Uh, into to 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 stooges post cold war new cold war stooges but uh he got a nice cushy job at twitter just like everybody else leaves government and goes to the um the broadcast networks or one thing or becomes analysts and and all of that and in large part to a large degree elon musk is doing what trump ought to have done when he was in when he was in office for those four those four years matt firing Firing, firing more and more people, firing, hollowing out the entire executive branch, firing, firing, more firing. Just when you thought that you're too tired from firing people, you run out of ink in the pens, you go out, you buy more pens, then you fire more people, you fire, you turn down, you can close down entire departments, firing, firing. Amazing. That's, oh, please allow me to have some kind of a cathartic experience like that one day. Please, God. Please. I would love to have that. That, that is like the ultimate. For me, I get on Lauren's nerves sometimes because I throw everything. She's like, where, where, so, where, where, did I, where did this thing or another go? Like, oh, I threw it out. Well, I, I wanted that still. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll ask you next time. And I'm, I'm working on it. I really am. But I... I want to throw things out. I'm the opposite of a hoarder. I like things as comfy and uh, bare, not bare bones. I just like things balanced and I don't like clutter and I like things to be efficient. I want to buy things just with the, I, I, I actually want to go to a department store with a black bag and just start throwing things out. Just let's, let's just loosen this place up a little bit. So imagine my delight if I were given any kind of authority over ending the careers ending the careers or at least kicking people out people out the door in uh in certain places in Washington DC where there should be no people anyway so th that would just be like throwing out the garbage and James Baker is a huge piece of shit let's forget about garbage there huge piece of shit so journalist Matt Tiebe who dropped the Twitter files last Friday detailing how Twitter executives went behind CEO Jack Dorsey's back to interfere in the 2020 U.S. election by censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. According to Tiebe, Baker was involved in vetting information without the knowledge of management. Well, that's a, a familiar role for him. So I'm glad, I'm glad, at least in that respect. But in other respects, let's go to Musk's Neuralink endeavor because now it's having a little bit of problems a little bit of attention thrown its way by uh, the federal government. You may be facing a federal probe. Okay. Why? Get a load of this. From Yahoo News. 
Musk's Neuralink faces federal probe and employee backlash over animal tests. Elon Musk's Neuralink, a medical device company, is under federal investigation for potential animal welfare violations. Um, are, you, are you seeing the irony yet? Uh, amid internal staff complaints that its animal testing is being rushed, causing needless suffering and death. You seen the irony yet? According to documents reviewed by Reuters and sources familiar with the investigation and company operations, Neuralink Corp is developing a brain implant it hopes will help paralyze people walk again and cure other neurological ailments, which seems, whenever you read all the white papers and stuff, seems to be uh, secondary to competing with AI. The federal probe, which has not been previously reported, was opened in recent months by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Inspector General at the request of federal prosecutor. Oh, I'm glad they're on top of this. According to two sources with knowledge of the investigation, the probe is one uh, the probe, one of the sources said, focuses on violations of the Animal Welfare Act, which governs how researchers treat and test some animals. The investigation has come at a time of growing employee dissent about Neuralink's animal testing, including complaints that pressure from CEO Musk to accelerate development has resulted in botched experiments, according to a Reuters review of dozens of Neuralink documents and interviews with more than 20 current and former employees. Such failed tests have uh, to be repeated, had to be repeated, increasing the number of animals being tested and killed. And they said that up to 1,500 monkeys may have died in the process. And not only that, they say that uh, that, that Neuralink presentation I told you about a couple of days ago they said that they're about six months away from from human testing okay what all all of uh all of Tesla's self-driving cars are crashing into bridge embutment still and just catching fire and melting down into a pile of molten shit now they're going this is <laughs> they're going to put these chips in people's head. I'm telling you we're fine out of all of the 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 um it's, it's almost like it's folklore, those instances of spontaneous human combustion. That's the, one of those myths that people talk about. Yes, it's real. Yes, it's real. But there's no actual, I have not seen anything. I know that people get struck by lightning, but that doesn't melt you into a blob into your shoes. Uh, I can actually start seeing people's heads catching on fire off, off the bat. And they're, they're said they're ready for human testing in six months killed a couple thousand monkeys but of course what's the ironic thing about this now i i hate i hate most of the reason the reasoning and the the um the vision behind elon musk's Neuralink project obviously and i've said it many times before to be able to invest in technology technologies that will allow quadriplegics the ability to walk again uh, doesn't don't they deserve that? I think they do, but we know that we're, it's it's right it's so far outside the bounds that we're we're not talking about that. That's mixed in. That's mixed in with all the the social and the the other stuff going on. So there's so much about the Neuralink thing that I the project that I hate already. But the federal government going to launch a probe because 1,500 monkeys were killed during testing. Meanwhile, meanwhile. What do you think I'm thinking? Now, don't be offended or anything like that, personally offended, that the mRNA pushing psychos 
in the government and all of their corporate buddies that all that that, that they care more about 1500 monkeys than they do us because they don't they don't in fact they see us on par equally disposable as monkeys um which should make the real reasoning for this at least to me far more obvious and that is elon musk for all of his um negatives and neutrals and uh, objective positives like whatever is happening right now on on twitter there's a lot of objectively positive things going on there it is a problem it is a problem for those who run the show twitter was a very important tool which makes me wonder why makes me wonder why ultimately the deal was allowed to go through why twitter wasn't secured more handily by some incutel company but then again maybe so who knows maybe it's all it's all nonsense but again it's you can't broad stroke anything a lot of people out there provide very good insight as to uh, you know to, to show how not how um uh, not pure as the driven snow trump and his known associations and the people he picked to come on board and and what he supports and all that stuff is not is not um is not the best is not the best but is it not also evident that the system hates him that he he shows he provides a good enough reason to panic his presence is not panic inducing for the system no matter how easily influenced he was by the sharks that were swimming around him in those four years. So it's one of those things here too. It's one of those things. Then again, it could also just be the federal government again being tone deaf, absolutely tone deaf, like we all are as a society, talking about Nazis and how terrible they are. Meanwhile, we we live in, in a, uh, a society, a country that is just rife rife with them with as morally despicable things as the nazis were producing as far as as far as what we do to people what we do to children what we do to people's minds oh man we're just we're we're right on par we really don't uh, we really should stop stop our uh sanctimonious nonsense here but anyway that's one last thing I wanted to say before this. What's this last one? This is another one from AP. Justices spar in latest clash of religion and gay rights, which in itself is a misnomer, mischaracterization. This is purely a battle between religions. That's what this is about. The Supreme Court, its conservative majority, sounding sympathetic Monday to a Christian graphic artist who objects to designing wedding se- uh, uh, wedding websites for gay couples? Yeah, th- this of course they found the only this was the only graphic artist in the country. It's the one that does everybody's graphic art. It's a big problem because now who do the gays go to? The latest collision of religion and gay rights to land at the high court. The designer and her supporters say that ruling against her would force artists from painters to photographers to writers and musicians to do work that is against their beliefs. Her opponents, meanwhile, say that if she wins, a range of businesses will be able to discriminate, refusing to serve black, Jewish, Muslim customers, interracial or interfaith couples 
or immigrants, which is just Democrats, Democrats and their their inner racist monologue coming out to the surface and projecting on everybody around them. Now, uh, let's say that is true. Let's say that is what would happen. Whether it's whether they do or not, yes, they have the right to refuse any everybody, anybody and everybody, because why? Your reputation is your life. That's it. You're out there to make business in a world. You are out there representing yourself, your interests of your families, especially small business. The people waging these wars on the last holdouts in the country for who actually live their faith have no respect for anyone else except themselves as it is. So if you think that any of this is going, uh, is like about evening things out, no, no, because gay people have absolutely no problem getting a cake baked for them. This is a seek and destroy mission. This is a seek and destroy mission, as it always is. They have no problem getting websites created. They have, I mean, most people make their own websites these days. It's so goddamn easy. So this is about political submission. It's seeking and destroying because any gay person, I mean, because any gay person who isn't driven by this warlike mentality, which is most of them, by the way, they know, just like you and I know, that you'd rather know a person who they are so that you can actually take your money where it is better deserved to be spent. This is this is about using government to seek out and destroy people you don't like. And it's not even really on behalf of people who uh, are, are living gay lifestyles or one thing or another. It doesn't help them ultimately because this is all about creating precedent for the government. It's about putting more responsibility into government's hands where there is no responsibility. For example, I saw another headline today. Uh, the, uh, both sides in Congress inch closer to a gay marriage bill. There is no gay marriage bill. That, it, it, I mean, th- there's no authority for that. Unless this gay marriage bill that they're putting together is is the basis for a constitutional amendment, it's, it's, not, it's null and void. This is all pretend. We live in a completely lawless and aimless society. It makes people feel good. It makes and because people don't know what the hell is real or not real from a constitutional standpoint, they think that simple majorities in Congress mean, oh, well, the Congress has spoken. There is a majority that voted on one thing or another, and they can do literally everything. There is no, there is no restrictions for Congress. Of course, if you are, uh, unless you're a, a leftist, and um, the Congress, if there is a majority at the time, wants to do something you don't like, then you scream about how it's unconstitutional. So um, this is just where we are. This is just where we are. What I would love to see, since they bring up black and Jewish and Muslim customers, because there's plenty of places where I, uh, a, a white guy, would probably not be welcome. Certain social clubs, certain institutions, I wouldn't be welcome in some places in this country. I don't give a shit that they exist. I don't care. I don't care that there's that there's there's clubs and colleges where I wouldn't exist. That there's anything don't I just don't care then again I'm not carrying I haven't been made to carry the cross of like thousands of years of human history that needs to be corrected right now with American funny money right now we have to correct the world bullshit bullshit I would love to see these lesbian entrapment operations because that's what they are I would love to see the lesbian entrapment operations go into a... Stop picking on the Christian-owned businesses and instead go 
exclusively asking devout Muslim bakers and web developers to uh, to create their 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 gay programming for their wedding and the gay cakes and all. I would just love to see that. I would love to see that because I would love to see the courts the court cases get covered by the media. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So um, we know it's all about. But it's going to continue because there's a bunch of quizlings out there who don't fight it. And um, and still, public education is a very, very strong grift. All right. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope to have a little bit of fun with you tonight. Kids, out of the mouths of babes, let's see what people have for us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Max Caparato at 12,000. And 60 feet. You can get as high as I am by watching the Quite Frankly podcast. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! tonight let's see i'm gonna keep this uh let me see i'll keep up the citizen free press to see if anything is breaking along the way what's this klobuchar the angry wreck lady amy klobuchar is a cry oh she cries why'd she cry she sobbed on tuesday you know, I, I wasn't going to pay attention to any of this, but if a- Amy Klobuchar cries, I, I hope I hope it's real and not just that. Let me see here. Wait. She sobbed on Tuesday as Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, which she has led, might get cut from the NDAA. The whole thing should be cut. Reports said that Klobuchar is visibly frustrated as a potential backsliding on a JCPA, which is often referred to as media cartel bill. Meta's threat to remove all news from its platform over the potential passage of JCPA may have spooked lawmakers from backing the bill's inclusion in the Defense Authorization Act. You can't have 18 months of hearings over the House of Representation and then, pursu- and then produce nothing, right? Of course you can produce nothing. supposed to produce nothing. I don't even know what the hell this is. Not only should I think her provisions get struck from the, the bill, the bill itself should be destroyed. 
You see how easy this is for me to, to, to do the news? Very easy. It's very easy. Everything else is just a... Just a big joke. War games on the high seas. BuzzFeed cuts 12% of its work staff. Who cares? Do you know? Do you care? No, I don't. That's why we're going into tonight's big topic. The big topic, and that is things that your children have said, or children that, I mean, you're, you're a parent, you are a, a big sibling, you are a guardian, a professional babysitter, camp counselor, whatever it is. If you mentor children, then I would love to hear more about this. I asked on our forum a couple of days ago, I said, they say that the greatest wisdom comes from children who are not afraid or weary of the world and its pressures. I want to collect stories about times when children in your life have shocked you by saying something profound, hilarious, or utterly embarrassing. I should have put in there also, very creepy. Because that's something I... I, I want to take from you guys as well. I'm putting the number on the screen already. It's 727, and we're going to be taking your calls. So you can call in as little as as quickly as now. That would be nice. And uh, and away we go. So here's the first thing I want to bring up to set the set the uh, the time. It's from Supermom09 says when my youngest son was seven years old, he asked me, "Mom, does the world need my ingenuity?" He's now 19, musical genius, writing and composing music for hours every day. Does the world need my ingenuity? At seven? Wow. That would, uh, that would, be, that would be something. Uh, me, I, I'm still on the stage. Like, Aurora is not really saying anything too crazy now. Uh, she, she said to Lauren the other day, Lauren sat her down on the, on the potty. We're trying. We're trying with that. You know, not really forcing anything but we're just trying to get her comfortable with potty training and I wasn't there for this but Lauren said that she was sitting on the potty and she farted and then she started giggling and she said she said uh mommy it's a a poopy guitar she thought it sounded like a a guitar with the gain up so because that's what she does when she hears guitars she she identifies a lot of the 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 instruments now so poopy guitar. Everything else is just mispronunciations that we don't pay any attention to. Like several several words she tries to say is fuck, um, and other things. And we don't, you know, we casually try to, you know, show her how to how to say it, but we don't freak out or anything like that, you know. But you have a child running around the house, calling different things fuck, and different things cock. The clock is a cock. You know, just like, okay, clock, clock. Then we're driving down the street. And we pass by a, uh, a Westie's storage facility where they have this gigantic, this gigantic Big Ben clock. What do you think she says? So those are the things. We're not at the, like, the shocked uh, phase now, but soon. Let's get into this. Uh, my daughter, this is from Subia Crothers. My my daughter would tell me, "You get what you get, and you don't know, and you don't throw a fit." I was just having a bad day, and Olivia, the Olivia who got spat on by Randy Wynn's daughter, 
said that quote so nonchalantly as I was about to give up on my day. I don't remember what happened that day, but it was just felt like a pile on. And then she said it. I felt like, oh, well, this is how it's going to be. And it was just spent the rest of my day at the park. And I always remember what she said when things don't go my way and move on. She was about four when she said it, but recently I quoted her and I got the eye roll in high, from the high school girl and the, ugh, mom, you're so annoying. Olivia at age four also said my butt cheeks look similar and I've felt lopsided since. Wait, wait, my butt cheeks look similar and I felt lopsided since. Well, why would you feel lopsided if your butt cheeks look similar? Isn't that good? That means you have symmetry? Anyway, this is where we're going tonight. I'm going to take a call. 216, you're on the air. You can throw anything my way, but you go, you also have the topic at hand to jump on. What's on your mind? Hello, is this Frank? Yes, it is. Who this? Frank, uh, well, you might have seen me on the Misbehaving Irishman. Uh, okay. I'm usually I'm I'm usually in your humble chat, but uh, you wanted a story about things children do. Yes, well, I, I, about the times that children have shocked you by things that they have said. Well, I was uh, my mother Hazel said that the most embarrassed she ever was in her entire life was when I was about three years old, and she had me in a shopping cart and she was waiting in line to check out. And there was a colored lady next to her with a child about the same age as me. And me and the other kid were just going back and forth, having a good old time. And she looked down at me to, you know, see what I was doing. And I just looked at her and I pointed at the kid and I, I said, Mommy, I go, how, look how dirty. Oh, and boy. She said she, she said she was so embarrassed that you just grabbed me and hustled out of the store. You know, you know that 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 just brought something up for me. That just brought something up for me I haven't thought of in years. Is, well, we're we're talking this had to be over 60 years ago. Oh, I understand. Apparently, uh, me and this little kid were having were engaged in a really good conversation and you know when she looked down to see what I was doing, I just said, "Look how dirty." <laughs> So well, I don't know what I was saying to the kid. No, that's it. Hey, listen, that's exactly the kind of story I was looking for. Thank you for that call, my friend. <laughs> okay, Frank. All I'll right. See you later and have a great holiday. You too. And there's there's a call from the Irishman. When I was young, uh, it, it was before we moved out of our first our first house and into my grandmother's house. So it was prior to 1993. So I was probably six, seven years old. 91, 92, probably around there. When did, wait, hold on. When did Three Ninjas, when did the Three Ninjas movie come out? Three Ninjas. 1992. So there you go. Now I have a, a time. So my brother, uh, he's in kindergarten. I'm in second grade. The Three Ninjas come out. We're watching it at home. And uh, and there, I, I think one of the, the police officers or a detective on the case of whatever is going on in that movie is a black man. And uh, when he appears in the scene for the first time, me and my brother, we said, look, he's a chocolate man. He's a cho we thought he was a man made of chocolate. <laughs> and we told we told my mother. We, we, we screamed. Anytime he would come onto the screen, we'd say, chocolate man. And... And my mom got very mad at us because, of course, her, you know, her couple of her best friends are black. 
Caribbean, and and, and you know, we, we we didn't mean anything by it. But of course, she's like, dude, you don't say that. Uh, obviously, she's probably trying to prevent a situation like the Irishman that just called in, and uh, that that was <laughs> at least at least that was said at home. Now I know I'm putting it all out there right now, but it, that was decades ago as well. And uh, this is a safe environment, is it not? And now I do know that black and brown people aren't made of chocolate. See? You give a child a little bit of time to figure out the world, and some of their earlier theories are just put to bed. So, all right, uh, let's see. Um, Into the, I'm going to take another call in just a second. Gary, Gary says, when my four-year-old daughter came home from soccer one day, she told me of her dislike for it. She said, why don't, I, I said, why don't you like it, honey? Her exact, her exact reply was, dad, I just don't like organized activities. Wow. After that day, no more sports for her. You know, it just, that's just what it is. Uh, Aurora is very, I know that this is the when they say no a lot just because it's a, it's a way for them to assert some kind of their own authority and they're just testing boundaries and whatever. But the way she says no sometimes, she'll, when, she, when she has a quizzical look on her face, she'll go, no. I'm just like. <laughs> and, well, and, and also like in the morning, especially after I shave my head and I come with a nicely shaved head and uh, she'll go, daddy, you have no hair. I said, I know. And she goes, I have more hair. I said, that's good. I'm happy for you. And then she like tries to offer me some of her hair, but she tells me a lot now that I have no hair and that I, that, and then today she says, I need more hair. I said, okay, well, so we'll see, see what happens. Or, it seems that we have completely forgotten about the baldness thing. If, uh, if, if Elon Musk is putting his billions into Neuralink, you would think at this point they would have already had the pill that reverses all that and we can go back to, you know, freshman in high school hairlines. No, they just said, yeah, fuck it. You're, that's it. Just start shaving your head. We have completely given up on the bald thing, okay? We're, we're going into cyborg land, so just <laughs> buckle down. Spark. Spark says, when my son was around six, he woke us up in bed one morning with a low, scratchy voice. I asked him, are you sick? To which he replied solemnly, no, I think I'm a man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, this is why I wanted to do this. We have so many more to go. So many more to go. Okay, two, five, six. Hey, Frank. Hey, what's up? Hey, this is Kim from your, uh, from your, uh. It's K-E-Y-O-M-E, Southern style, as you can tell. Great. It's great to I hear from you. I have a great, great kid story. Go ahead. So my son was probably two and a half, three maybe, standing in the middle of Walmart, and he apparently <laughs> became a man at that very moment and started crying, Mama, Mama, it's getting harder, harder. Please make it stop. Make it stop. Oh, no. Oh, no. And everybody in the whole place just turned to look at me because he was screaming it, right? I was like, oh, my God. I said, son, quit pulling on it. Quit pulling on it. And he just kept pulling and pulling. And I was going, son, stop. Don't touch it. It'll stop. Don't touch it. So, how, how old is he again? <sighs> 
probably three. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was terrible. Oh my gosh. It was the most horrific moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so no, go that's, ahead and beat that. <laughs> I, you know what? There's the maybe there's something that comes close, but that's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty so bad. bad. So, what what kind of a so store? This is this a grocery store? Walmart. Walmart. Okay. At the checkout, you know where you all gather together. Yeah. You know that little area. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Right there. Kim and Kim, I couldn't I mean it's like it took me 5 minutes to get his hand off of himself. Uh, it was awful. Kim, this is uh you're, you you've set a pretty high bar uh this this early in the show. <laughs> so we'll see who comes close Kim, but thank you for the call. Thanks, Frank. Have a great night. It's getting harder and harder. Oh my gosh. No. Oh. Uh that I'm screaming on the inside as she's telling me that. I'm screaming. <laughs> Please. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. A little bit more. No Joke Daughter says, one time in response to my mindless reply to why, so she was asked, well, why? I said, because. My six-year-old said, because is not a reason. It's just a word. She had me there. She had me there. Wow. Yep. You're right. You're right. Sharon says, when potty training my son, he was sitting on the potty chair, tapping his fingers on the tub. He looked at me and said, Mommy, this is damn hard work. Damn hard work. He was about 18 months old. We never cursed around the children when they were, when they were young. Not sure where he picked that up. I laughed out loud and wondered how he came up with those words. He's quite the young man now, 28 years later. Damn hard work. Just imagine how, how hard the work gets. How hard the work gets. Let's take um, let's take a call, Jack from Florida, formerly in New Jersey. What's going on, Jack? What's up, Frank? I got a really good kid story. Um, when I was in New Jersey, we went to like a nostalgic store, baseball memorabilia stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it was Mookie Wilson and Bill Buckner. Mm-hmm. We walk up. And, of course, you know, hey, Mr. Buckner, Mr. Wilson. Oh, they were there. They were there. Oh, signing autographs. Oh, wow. My three-year-old daughter, Taylor, looks at Mookie Wilson and goes, man, Dad, he's really black. (laughs) I almost died. In front of him? Right in front of him. Did Did he react to it? Oh, he just laughed. He was He was so gracious. Sign the autograph, the picture of the ball going under his feet, Buckner. Thanks, you know, Mr. Buckner for helping the Mets. But it was hilarious. That's that is something. That is something. That it really yeah. is. And you know that and, and that's also just goes uh just aside from that, the the funny story, um, with with Mookie Wilson, but it's also just funny how um how it was uh, you know, Bill Billy Buckner all well, it's not funny. He just really had, I'm sure he had nightmares for a good amount of years. Oh, but God, yeah. Into his into his later years, he really embraced it, and he, he really offered himself up to fans, and it was, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. I, I remember when he even went on to... He, um, he, he, was, he, was, he was so gracious, it, it was beyond compare. Yeah. 
Well, I guess you got to yeah. be, and you got to just accept it or else you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. And it's really not that big a deal when you think about life. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. But for the Mets fan, for a Mets fan, it's everything. So congratulations on that. <laughs> yes, and, it is. And thanks for the call, we Jack. We lost the grab. Are you kidding me? I know. I know. Thanks for the call, Jack. Take care. All right, Frankie. Have a good night, bud. That's another thing. I don't know if I brought this up. I know I brought it up on Dark to Light the other day. He just brought up uh, DeGrom. Jason DeGrom, the uh, number one pitcher for the Mets. Well, was. Now he's on the Texas Rangers. Uh, Michael Kay had the most meat-headed comment I, I could imagine. He's a play-by-play guy for the Yankees television broadcasts. And he was commenting on DeGrom going to Texas and just getting out of New York. Now, I think DeGrom is a Texan, so it probably was a lot more emotional to go there and just be home. I, I'd have to imagine. Who knows? But what he said was that because of the size of the contract he just signed with, with Texas and the fact that Texas has no state income tax, that he is going to be making so much more than that this is the meat-headed the meat-headed remark from a uh, big, gigantic planet skull, um, Michael Kay. You think that Charlie Kirk's head is enormous? Nothing compared to Mike, Michael Kay. Thing has its own orbit. It's in, it's incredible. Michael Kay says he's always been in in uh, in favor of a tariff for states like Florida and Texas to be put on those states by Major League Baseball or whatever so that the the teams operating inside those states with much saner economic policies are not at a negotiating advantage to anybody else because, you know, people might make life decisions based on where they could go to have and keep more of the stuff that they're earning. He wants to, 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 to tax, essentially, teams that are in states that have saner economic policies so that their citizens can prosper more in life. Because God forbid we ever put any pressure on states to cut or eliminate their own taxes. No, no, no. Most boneheaded thing I could ever hear. But he's, whatever. These are sport. You want, you want sports guys to be reasonable outside of their little bubble? It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, 719, you're on the air. Hello? Who's this? Go ahead, 719. Hi. Hi, I just wanted to share a quick story. My youngest daughter, when she was about one and a half, uh, a lady came to the door and she had a cat that she had found and she asked if it was ours. I said no. She asked if we wanted to keep it and I'm allergic, so I said no. And my daughter said, Mommy, we should keep it. And I said, Honey, cats make Mommy sick. And her face went white and she said, You're not supposed to eat them. (laughs) How old was she there? She was about one and a half. Wow, you're not supposed to eat them. See, that's that's that is the, just the cutting, cutting simple logic, and uh, you can say a little, little naive, but man, oh man, is it just simple as hell? And it is, it is. Thank you for that. Yep, they're the best. Thank you, and thank you for all you do, Frank. Yeah, I really appreciate your show. And who is God this? Oh, you. your your name, by the way. Oh, my name is Kelly Shetring. Kelly, it's wonderful to speak with you, Kelly. I'm glad you got through, and I hope you get through again in the future. And if you don't, you can always email me. I'll give that a try. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Later. Take care. All right. Let's keep going with this because I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. You can't eat. Don't eat those cats, ladies and gentlemen. Don't eat them. Wuhan cat. 
Next one up says, my friend's young daughter very excitedly greeted me at the door and exclaimed, I wiped my own ass. I think she was two or three and was clearly very proud of her newfound pooping proficiency. <laughs> I wiped my own ass. That reminds me of uh, Big Daddy, that, that Adam Sandler film. This reminds me of something else. I had to have been about, I wasn't that young. I wasn't that young. I had to be maybe like eight, nine at the most, but still I didn't know the, the, the terminology. When we were living at my grandmother's house, it was a pretty packed house. It was my grandmother who just died in, in February. It was my Aunt Candy who was still single uh, and uh, single uh, at that time. It was me, my mother, my father, my brother, and uh, we're all just you know packed throughout the house. A couple of you know tight living, but we made do. Anyway. One night, one day, my Aunt Candy was very, very upset about something. And she was screaming about something that was happening at work. And she's called somebody, she's calling somebody at work a name or I don't know. She's upset. And here I am, here I am thinking that I could inject myself into the conversation and have it be smooth enough to just go over well and uh and and use a new term and I, I wanted to say did you what happened did you get laid off it's I, I i didn't know if she got fired and i wanted to ask her did you get laid off but um I, that's what i wanted to ask her i didn't know that the the it was actually laid off i asked her if she got laid what happened did did you get laid and she looked at me she She's just confused. She was so confused. I remember there was just a, she said, what did you say? <laughs> she was already so mad. She was, she was always, she was already so mad. And the, there was just so many emotions that were, she obviously, but I didn't, you know, and then I, I tried, you know, I, I noticed that there was something wrong. I said something wrong. So I tried to clarify, like, did you get fired or? And, and then I think she put two and two together. But for a moment there, I almost got it. Oh, boy. There's a difference, children, between laid and laid off. Okay? There's a big difference. So don't ask your crying aunt whether or not she got laid. First of all, she's crying after she got laid. Then something else, something else is wrong there. So it's not... Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that some other night. All right. Let's go into a grateful. <laughs> I just peeked into the chat room for a second. I saw a grateful guy in YouTube says doesn't sound like a good lay. No, no, which is what's uh, which is what's funniest about the whole thing, the whole uh, the whole issue. All right, Mimi lady, Mimi lady. Uh, when my daughter was around six years old, I asked her if she re remembered something about a house that we lived in until she was a little over three years old. She said that it must have been before she could see. She was sure that she was blind when she was born and up until she could remember things because she has a photographic type memory. She was very upset with me when I told her that she was not blind as a baby. Wow. Now that's um that's interesting. 
That's interesting. It must have been before she could see. I guess it is, you know, you go back that far, it is pretty much like being blind. Because what do you remember? You got a memory of a uh, of a goldfish for the most part. And nobody to talk to about what you're seeing. It just becomes fragments of images and things you can't make sense of. So I have to imagine they don't stick as much. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Maybe we get into some craziness here. Let's take another call. Here's a call from Mike from Rhode Island. Let's see what he's got for us. Hey, how you doing tonight, Frank? Good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always glad to hear you. So here's the deal, right? My daughter, she had this knack when she was little to get people to change their lifestyles just with her words. Mm. So my brother-in-law brings his new wife over my family's house for Thanksgiving. And she's not a petite girl. And my daughter looks over at her and she goes, wow, you have a huge bus. Two weeks later, she's making an appointment to have her stomach stapled. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, no kidding. I mean, she was so embarrassed. They left like five minutes after that happened. And, uh, you know, she didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, she's a kid. But uh, I think that was the reason why they don't have kids now. She hates kids. And I have a lot. I think it has a lot to do with my daughter and her big mom. What, what, was she obese? But, oh, yeah. She was a big girl. Oh, she okay. still was a big girl. I mean, even though she had her stomach stapled, she lost a lot of weight. But, you know, if you're lazy, you're lazy. You're going to put it back on. Oh yeah, no, those staples don't do uh, don't do too much. I mean, you can stretch out. No, the, they don't. You can stretch out the stomach all over again. Yep. Wow, wee. Well, so that's another all. time. But a year and a half later, talking to one of my neighbors, and my daughter looks up at her and she goes, "Wow, your teeth are really yellow." <laughs> you know, and I'm like, "I'm so sorry." I'm. So, she's like, "No, no, no." I mean, they're kids, and they're gonna say how they feel, and blah blah blah. The next time I saw her, she had gotten her teeth whitened, and they were the whitest freaking teeth I have seen probably ever. This is amazing. This is amazing. I I wish she kept it up, you know, tell my wife, you know, hey, you know, you don't do enough for daddy. (laughs) You know, see how that would work out. Well, you know, here's the other thing. This is probably an even bigger issue there, too. It's so much so, the problem here is, or not the problem, the real issue here is that you have your daughter as an agent for a change because she's the only one that is willing to say uh, say uh, things that, that could be seen as sobering and motivating. And it also goes to show just how, how um, you know, scared we are of, of talking to each other and calling each other out. I mean, maybe it's nobody's business. I mean, we, we learn how, we learn couth when we grow up and we learn how to dress things up and not be so blunt and especially in public if you're not having a, you know, if you're having a sensitive conversation with somebody. But I think the the bigger thing there, the overall message is that people need to hear in obviously a little bit more delicate, responsible ways that, um, you know, you need some help. Yeah, kids just have no filter and they're just going to say what's on their mind and what they see. It's a beautiful thing, but sometimes it does hurt people's feelings a little bit. But, hey, you know, if, if that's what it takes to get them to change their lifestyle. I mean, unfortunately, you know, like I said, my sister-in-law, she, uh, well, my, my brother-in-law's wife or whatever. I don't know if that's technically my sister-in-law. But she, uh, yeah, same deal. She's just so lazy. She she won't walk anywhere. 
she won't, she won't even take the bus anywhere. Her poor husband drives her everywhere because she won't get a license. That's how lazy she is. Mm. So, well, Mike, I, yeah. I, I always love when you call in. You, you you have great great stories that are always pertinent. Sometimes funny, sometimes heart wrenching, but I I love it. Well, I'm, I'm going to write a book just for you then. Do it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I am working on a book, but it's nothing to do with that stuff. We'll talk about it another time. It's a lot of deep topics on it. I can't but, wait uh, for I'll it. Let you go. I'm sure you got a lot of callers who want to get in and talk to you because you know you got to be one of the best voices out there, Frank. I hope. I hope. I hope to God every day. I, I'm telling you, I I send your show to at least three or four people who I know have heard it before and then tune in once in a while. They're like, oh, I listened last night. I'm like, you got to listen to this guy every night. You miss one night, you're going to miss a huge topic, and you don't even realize it. I appreciate so, it, man. I'm doing everything I can to turn people on, but I want to see you explode. I want to see you the biggest guy on the internet, if not on radio, if you ever make it that far. I, I, I really do appreciate you, Mike. I, I, I thank you, and I hope that we talk again before Christmas. If not, though, Merry Christmas and, and have a good one. I got to say, though, I got to say, every time there's a new headline about uh, Tim Pool's house getting uh, broken into and shots fired on the premises and all this other shit, growth, steady, Growth, strong, growth, slow and steady and strong and ever forward. And also, I, I think that the quality of people in the audience and and the way that you guys and gals support the show and um, as, as sponsors, as just callers, intellectual support, sharing me with your friends and family, I'm fine with the slow burn. I'm fine where we are because it's a it's a fucked up world. It really is. And um, I, I, I don't want to, I'm averse, I don't want to uh, plateau. Nobody wants that. You always want to be changing and growing. But every day I'm reminded about how grateful I am for where I am right now. And that tomorrow we'll have two new viewers that have never seen the show because of people like you guys out there. And because in some places on the internet, the uh, it's a little bit more favorable to be introduced to new people in organic ways. And I know that, that, that uh, that's just something that will happen on its own. As far as skyrocketing and all that, well, cross that bridge when we come to it. But I'm, I'm okay with the slow climb because it's character building, if you ask me. It's not like I'm an isolationist. I, I invite so many people onto the show. And uh, hopefully we can do some good collaborations and some audience sharing in the future. But it's, uh, it's tough to make friends. It really is sometimes. I make a lot of them, but but um, people above, they think they're really picky with who they talk to, man. I try a lot, but this is fine by me. Uh, here's a little bit more before we go to our break in four minutes. This one is from Amazing Polly, or from Amazing Polly's official spokesperson. Okay, on Twitter, at Fringe Views at on Twitter at fringe views it's amazing Polly's official spokesperson and uh, they said when Polly was 18 she babysat a little girl who got out of bed late at night and said Polly does mommy have eyes Polly said yes does daddy have eyes yes he does do you have eyes yes Polly said and laughed the little girl, deadpan, then said, not for long. Fuck. Get the fuck back in bed right now and don't talk to me for the rest of the night. 
That's what I'd say. And last night, Aurora sat up at 12 midnight, almost exactly. It was like 12.05. And I heard, Daddy? What the hell? I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the kitchen. I was just about to close down the laptop and jump into the shower. And, uh, you know, the shower, it, like, is, like, runs up to the wall of her bedroom. So now that she's awake, I'm not going to turn the water on and have her get distracted by that. It's easier when she's sleeping. So, and, and uh, for, like, three minutes, she sat up, and she's going, you know, she's talking with her hand. We were looking on, because Lauren woke up, too. We're looking at the monitor. She's talking with her hands. You know, just, like, she's shrugging and using her hands like she does and then all of a sudden she just face plants and goes back to sleep said okay and to think that within a couple of months at the latest we're going to be taking down that front gate on her uh, crib and and replacing it with the the toddler the toddler bed uh bar so the nights of her just all of a sudden walking out of the room and and hovering over my face at two in the morning those nights are coming and i just hope that i don't scream like an animal when it happens and she scares the shit out of me it's coming it's coming and i just got to prepare for it and so is lauren obviously but that was weird last night all right uh we're gonna take a little bit of a break we come back we're doing more of this we're doing more of this, we're taking more calls. I'm getting to your super chats. I'm having a good time. I think we all needed a good time. And uh, don't go anywhere. BRB. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite so everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? 
Okay. It's a human interest story kind of a night. Human interest. Humans being interesting. Of course, we're talking about base level programming humans who don't have um, a lot of context and they don't have a lot, any filter. So they're just kind of like a bottle rocket without a stick. And that makes it a lot more fun and nerve wracking. Never know what your child is going to say. All right, let's get to our super chats. Stostube threw a tip into the quite frankly superchat.com tip jar. I'm so happy for that. Thank you, Stostube. Revolution. Rev says, all I want for Christmas right now anyway is for you to play Matt the Walmart checkout hard on call. To play Matt the Walmart checkout hard on call from tonight when he's in studio with you on Friday. You two devolving into hysterical laughter and feedback loop off of one another is a must. Coincidences. Oh, oh, coincidences. Condolences regarding Pam. Thank you. I got a little bit more to say about Pam tonight. We might end a little bit early, but um, well, but thank you for that. And yeah, I, I'll bring. I, I gotta remember to bring it up on Friday. I sh- well, this Friday is going to be um, Sam Tripoli, and the next person who tipped over here, Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas himself said, "I'm watching Frank. If Sam Tripoli ghosts you again this week, I'm going to send him a rain. I'm going to send him reindeer poop." I give them lots of extra protein this time of year. Oh, he'll be on. That was a misunderstanding the last time. And uh, we spoke behind the scenes and we got it all hammered out for this week. And he's excited to come on. I said, hey, do you want to come on January or do you want to come on December? Since, you know, um, he, I don't know if you saw this, but recently he talked about he how he recently um, accepted Jesus into his life. So I said, it's up to you. I can make room for you on January. But since this is like your first real Christmas, do you want to come on now? So I'm sure that we'll talk a little bit about that and and other cool things. And and we'll have a good time. Snowjob says, hey, Frank, if you get Kanye on your show, ask him if he likes fish sticks. Yo, Joe. Yeah, that's funny. The fish sticks. In uh, South Park. Um, I have not seen it yet, but I've been given the link and I've been given a password that I can watch this on censored.tv with Gavin McGinnis. I heard that this, I saw some clips that this was a really great interview. Interesting interview. A lot more interesting an interview, an in-depth one um, and well-managed one by Gavin McGinnis with, with Kanye West. Now, Gavin McGinnis is a great conversationalist very uh, he he's he's really great at that that's things that i have noticed over the years as far as sitting down uh, across from a table across from somebody at a table who is ideologically opposed to really significant things compared to yourself his ability to just stay cool and logically grounded is amazing very socratic very Socratic, and uh, what I have seen here, too, it, it makes me, I, I'm really interested in watching, I think it's about 45 minutes long, this sit-down he had with uh, Kanye West, and I'd like to watch this one here, too. 
Hey, I know it's I know something must be going on nice over there if King uh, King did not like Gavin McGinnis for a long time and suddenly he's sending me Gavin McGinnis links he's like I'm sorry I gotta say I'm coming around to this guy so you know I've always been I've always been uh, you know a distant admirer watches stuff we have his stuff on on the the network from time to time he's local I mean, he's not too far from here. I've tried to get in touch with him in the past. So, I mean, maybe we can actually get him in studio one night. That would be pretty awesome, no? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas has been like four, four or five miles away from me or less for the last 10 years. And I still haven't been able to break that glacier. But they're busy. And I'm small fish. So... We'll see what 2023 has in store for us. Every year, it gets bigger and better, so... Positivity and proactive motion, huh? All right, we got great people, great amount, great crowds of people who are watching right now on Rumble, on YouTube, on Theta, on Foxhole, on Twitch. Rockfin is always cozy. I'm liking it. I'm liking it all. And, of course, DLive. Thousands of you... All, all all, across the way. Potentially tens of thousands, because I don't know how to really calculate all this stuff. All right. Let's take a call. 507, you're on the air. What do you have to say about tonight's show so far? Hey, Frank. This is Sam from Iowa. Sam from Iowa. It's great to have you. Yep. First time caller. I, was, uh, I have a story of my two sons. Uh, they were four and two, and it was Christmas time, and we were waiting in line and i had turned around you know okay we had like the boys in the double stroller garrett who was four is in the back and chris who was two was in the front and i just was turning around talking to my husband and he hear from behind me because we're waiting in line nice butt chris and i was like me and dan just looked me and my husband just looked at each other like oh. so i composed myself I turned around, I looked at Chris, his pants are down at his ankles and he's doing the wiggle the pee-pee dance, you know, he likes he likes to um, entertain. <laughs> so he's jumping around and, you know, Garrett's like looking at me and I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna overdo this because if I give Chris bad attention, He'll do it again, right? Because he's just that kid. Right. So I just turned around and I looked at him. I said, well, Chris, you seem to have lost your pants. And I just pulled them up and I buttoned them and I sat him back down. And I turned around to talk to my husband. And my husband's got the store flyer in front of his face. And it's just shaking because he's trying not to laugh out loud. But his whole body is just shaking in the paper, and everybody around us is snickering. And then when we were starting to leave, a lady came up to me. She goes, you handled that so well. <laughs> I was just like, well, if I give him any attention, he's going to do it in every store. <laughs> that's, the, that, that's, that's the thing that I've, I've, been, uh, I've been reminded of time and time again from Lauren and from other people. You have got to mind your first reactions, and you have, got, you have yes. to mind your reactions very, very closely. Very closely. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Because if you give them any attention whatsoever, and if they're an entertainer like my little Chris, 
he is going to do it just to get attention, no matter if it's good or bad. My gosh. My gosh. <laughs> I Thank you so much. I hope. I ho- How old is Chris now? Chris is 24. Okay, so ho- hopefully he's left that all behind him. Yes, that's all behind him. Because, you know, he, 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 still bring it up every Christmas. Right. <laughs> he, he won't be allowed into shopping malls, sports stadiums. All, I mean, this is, now it's jail time. If you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. It's beyond cute now. <laughs> yes, yes. No, that's all about so Wish Chris and everybody else a, a Merry Christmas for me, and, and thank you for calling in. All right. Thank you so much, Frank. Okay. Take care. Merry Christmas. Merry Bye-bye. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, here's one Here's one from Emily Jane. Emily Jane says, My husband's mother died when he was five years old, and his twin brothers were two. That's terrible. Our mothers worked together. My daughter came to me as a toddler and said, Remember when you were little and had little eyes and I was big and I had mommy eyes? I had two McCoys, her brother, in my belly. What? My daughter remember when you were little and had little eyes and I was big and had mommy eyes. Wow, my God. I see, see, I know, I know there's a lot, I know there's the little, there's the people out there who say that we get one shot, one shot only, and that's it. Well, I mean, I don't. The, some of this stuff is so odd. Some of it is so odd. I don't know. For me, the jury's still out on all that stuff. I just don't know. Incredible uh, and creepy, too. Non-binary says, I was at a wedding uh, in a church filled with attendees, including the balcony. The young ring bearer let one rip for at least five seconds loudly. If all the heads, uh, all of our heads were bowed, not trying to make eye contact with each other in order to stifle our laughter. The ring bearer's dad silently scolded his son and the son retaliated by announcing, but I said I was sorry. The church congregation lost it with laughter. One of the best moments ever. I said I was sorry. <laughs> See, I like that. Me, I don't have any, I don't think there was any like real bad children outbursts in in in, uh, in church. But I've, I think it was at my grandfather's funeral. Either my grandfather's funeral or some, some I re- it was actually welcome for me. That the priest, I was laughing at this priest. He had such a bad accent, and the and the accent was just making me laugh, like crack up. And it's getting to the point now. I can't stand when this happens to me. I actually hate it because when I get into a a laugh a laugh mode, I either have to get out. I have to get out of the room quick. <laughs> I have to get out of the room quick and just let and just let it and just scream somewhere. Let it all out. Because if not, the act of holding it in and trying to let a little bit of pressure just expel in the form of wheezing and 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 just holding down and the 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 
the tears streaming down my face, sometimes I can play it off as crying. So if I'm at a funeral and I can't stop laughing, and it's like a nervous laughter thing there too. You're in such a heightened emotional state that, and something tips you over and you're in a place where you cannot laugh. And then I'm screwed. I'm, I'm screwed. I do that a lot uh, over the weekends when we, when we rip on um, Hallmark films, but at least we're supposed to be laughing about that stuff. So sometimes things just take me away and I can't stop. Um, funerals, those are one of those things. Those are one of those things. I just gotta be near. When I'm home, sometimes I'm home and I'm, uh, I'm laying in bed next to Lauren and she's been out for a couple of hours and I just get into bed after I'm done with doing what I'm doing. And I still have about five to 10 minutes left in my eyes. So I put my earbuds in and I'll be laying down next to her and I'm just, I'm, I'm scrolling through like Tumblr or something else. And invariably I will come across something that hits me in such a way that I'm, I have, I have to get out of bed quickly. And sometimes my rush out of bed probably wakes her up too, because I have to get out of the room. I have to go to the the bathroom, like turn on the, the water or something and just, just wheeze laugh. I forgot something. Sometimes I will laugh so much that I, I almost, I feel like I'm throwing up. Like the, the nausea comes over me. And that just, that's the best therapy ever. I wish I can tap into that kind of laughter at any time and get about five to 10 minutes of that kind of laughter every day. That's why I try to do stuff like that for the show. Do it for you guys and gals. But, um, but yeah, okay, over to the foxhole. Foxhole, Sean Joe, thank you. Jesse, thank you. Boyce Blanc, thank you. Stickman Freediver says, slow news day, but it's always sunny on Quite Frankly. It's funny you say that, Stickman. Just today I said to myself, I know Lauren doesn't like always sunny in Philadelphia, but I want to watch it from start to finish all over again. And maybe she'll watch it with me. It's been a long time. It's been years. I'm going to watch Always Sunny again. So... All right, all right. Let's take a uh, let's take another gander into our thread here. In early 2014, this is from Buckeye Steve. In early 2014, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and given a 30% chance of beating it. About two months later, during the most intense period of chemo treatments that were taking a major toll on my body, mind, and spirit. A time period when my wife and I were quite scared and anxious. Our daughter, Sarah, not even three years old, whom we had done our best to shield from the dire situation, said something very unexpected to my stressed out wife. Sarah said with an innocent smile, don't panic, mama. God is on it. My wife, surprised and confused, asked her to repeat what she had said. Sarah repeated, don't panic. God is on it. My wife then asked, how do you know that? And Sarah replied, God told me. Amazed by this, my wife called me in from the other room where I was resting and asked Sarah to once again repeat what she had said this time to me, which she did verbatim. Don't panic. God is on it. He told me. Like my wife, I too was completely amazed. I spent about the first half of my life spiritually agnostic with many of the same doubts and questions in my mind uh, as others who struggle with their faith. Thankfully, I had already become a believer prior to this event, but this dramatically strengthened my faith in God and my belief that I 
with God's blessing, would somehow beat the cancer. I firmly believe that God often speaks through children because they don't have all of the biases and prejudices with which we become burdened over the time. So they are more receptive to God's voice. Flash forward and I have been 100% cancer free for over eight years. I feel as good as I have in decades. I'm closer than ever to God and I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. I love that. Wonderful. I wish I had, um, I wish I had a little bit of whiskey or something in here or something to pour. I have my, my bar is out there. It's extensive. There's plenty of whiskey. Just a little, a little shot, a little toast to Buckeye Steve. That's fantastic and incredible and fantastic. Here's another one. Casey Kakalaki says, when my son Jack was around three or four, now he's six, we were home one day listening to music on my phone and Harry Belafonte's banana song came on. It was a song that Jack had just started to like and he asked me, mommy, can we meet that man? Meaning Harry Belafonte. I said, no, baby, he died. He paused and thought for a second, then asked, but who, but who died him? Meaning who killed him? I then explained that people sometimes die of old age and that most people aren't killed by other people. After another thoughtful pause, Jack somberly said, he won't be tallying no bananas no more. Wow. <laughs> and the fact that he said that somberly, around three or four for that to come out, he won't be tallying no bananas no more. Nope. No, eventually a day comes where your tallying days are over. And that's okay. That is okay. Let's take another call. 217, you're on the air. Who's this? Um, yeah, I just have a kid story. Yeah, okay. And what's your name? Bonnie. Bonnie. Okay, go ahead, Bonnie. Um, yeah, um, well, when kids are toddlers, you know, they follow you into the bathroom. So I went into the bathroom, was sitting on the potty one day, and my son was three he came in and he goes mommy where's your pee pee and i said girls are different honey um it's up inside and he goes what take it out <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great yeah <laughs> she uh, aurora is uh is, is is tailing uh lauren into the bathroom all the time she doesn't go with me uh, that's fine because I, I wouldn't allow it anyway. But but uh, she tails Lauren to the bathroom. They have girl time all the time. So I'm sure that the comments will be flowing soon like that. Yeah. It's hilarious, some of the things they say. Well, I appreciate this, Bonnie. Thank you so much for the call. You're welcome. He's 49 right now, by the way. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> This okay. was a long time ago. Right, but right. I remember it made for work. <laughs> That's the see. I have to follow up with a question like that tonight because. And thanks again for the call, Bonnie. I it, everybody calls him well, my two year old, and I'm thinking about a two year old right now, and um, and of course you know Bonnie sounds, Bonnie sounds very young, and sprightly, so I. I that's what I was thinking, but um, but man, oh man, time flies, huh? Here's one. Chai Possum says, I need to preface this story with the fact that our family is Caucasian. You'll understand why. My husband grew up in deep south right on the Mississippi River and was working offshore for the oil field right after we got married in 1984. Plus, we spent a lot of time soaking up vitamin D and he tanned really easily. 
This community is very diverse and everybody knows everybody's business. On one trip to the only grocery with my two girls, we were nonchalantly making groceries uh, making groceries when my youngest daughter, I think three years old at the time, simply blurted out for the whole store to hear, my daddy is a black man. It wasn't embar- it wasn't embarrassing by any means, just hilarious. The whole store was in stitches. Life is an adventure through the eyes of the, chi- of the eyes of a child. My daddy is a black man. Well, you tan well enough. You tan well enough. We're all black men, right? So, man, there's a couple more pages. There's four whole pages on the topic. I'm going to have to just dip dip into these again uh, at the end of the week for sure. These are fantastic. This this is the kind of topic I love settling on and that it it just it it produces just a wealth a wealth of a response from people all over the country and the world. I I just love it so much. Uh 925, you're on the air. Who's this? Oh, this is Ichabod from California. What's going on, Ichabod? Um, you know, this is, I never get through, so I'm very thankful you took the call. Great to have uh, you. I had a, a co- co-worker that was uh, murdered on Friday, and uh, he's left with three kids, and it's a, I, I posted the article on your um, Frankly Chat. It's, it's a fucked-up story, but... Um, his family's got a GoFundMe going right now. He's got three kids, and I just wanted to throw it out there. If, if anybody's willing to uh, help his family out, it's like two weeks before Christmas. It's a, it's a horrible story, right? Okay. Well, uh, so so if ever anybody is in the in, is in the Discord right now, um, it seems like it's been posted recently. So be on the lookout for that if you wanted to uh, to help out a, a, a family in need. So thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, well, thanks for calling in, Ichabod. Is that all you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I've been a long time listener, and it's just a, a a sad week, and I got nothing else to say other than that. I was just trying to help the family out. Well, very nice of you, and uh, and I'm glad you posted it, and I hope that people respond to it. And thanks for the call, my friend. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's those are always the worst, and. You can always find those stories. They're all over the place, unfortunately. And you just got to do what you can, especially if it hits home. Um, there's a whole lot of people out there crying out to, to help others and praying, and that's just what it is. I um, Only so much you can do. But especially those kinds of losses this close to a... Uh, a holiday and when you're leaving family behind young children it's terrible so go check it out and let's go uh let's go on to a little bit of a break when we come back a few more of these and then we're we're wrapping up a little bit early so don't go anywhere we have a little bit more gas in the tank i'll tell you i can't relax you know the other night I was in a place I felt like having a few drinks. Someone over to the bartender, I said, surprise me. He showed me a naked picture of my wife. <laughs> Tell you the truth, like my wife and I, we never have sex. No. Now, we get undressed, we can't stop laughing, you know? <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, when my wife does have sex, she screams, ooh, especially when I walk in on her. Ooh, <laughs> 
I got no sex life. Uh, ten years ago, my wife put me on hold. I mean, the last time I made love to my wife, it was ridiculous. Nothing was happening. I looked at her, I said, what's the matter? Can't you think of anyone either? <laughs> Now you kid, I know my wife cheats on me. Every time I come home, the parrot says, quick, out the window, you know? <laughs> my sex life is nothing. My wife cut me out to once a month. Cut me down to once a month. Oh, I'm lucky. Two guys I know she cut out completely. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though. When I have sex with my wife, it's like magic. As soon as I get in bed, she disappears. <laughs> oh, the other night, she met me at the front door wearing a see-through negligee. The only trouble is, she was coming home. <laughs> Smoking, that's another one. Yeah. Try to stop smoking. That's a beauty, huh? Well, with cigarettes, my wife and I, we made a deal, my wife and I. We yeah. only smoke after sex. I got the same packed house since 1975. <laughs> what bothers me is my wife. She's up to three packs a day. <laughs> hey, girl. Have you heard of Superbia Credit Union? At Superbia Credit Union, it pays to be gay. Come inside. Make a deposit. Because at Superbia, you can make a transaction and get some transaction. What are you waiting for? Superbia Credit Union. We're homosexuals. Oh, Mrs. Shirley. Uh... We got your Christmas card the other day, and my family and I are very flattered that you remembered us. Corporate cards. Don't forget that report, Bill. Yes, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. Okay, so hey, uh, good. Uh, speaking of um, drumming and percussion and all that stuff, we uh, that music room is ready to go, ready to go. So um, we're gonna be doing. A, I don't know where I'm gonna be setting it up. Maybe Friday nights, definitely Saturday nights before shows. Um, I gotta figure out a way to make it more cleanly, cleanly um, linked to this room. Especially if there are any kind of, I guess we can do live performances after the show on separate broadcasts. That can be something. It used to be in the old studio that we had through the through the um, the drop ceiling. All of our USB cables and MIDI cables and sound sound and video that would go into the other room, so we would be able to actually cut to the other room for live performances and be able to have that fed right back into the um, the broadcast room. Uh, th that's not what we have now, and both the performance room and the broadcast room are too far away from each other. It would just be too much. But, but we are in working order again and uh, feeling good, and I can't wait to just have some fun. Speaking of fun, we're doing it tonight. We're talking about all the people all the people 
all the people that are uh, are contributing to tonight's show on the uh, what's gonna call it uh, the, the thread we have here. Okay, now we're back on. Sorry, I was trying to get it up. You heard me stalling? Yes. Years ago, this is from Shake and Bake. Years ago. My sister and her daughters were visiting myself and my parents. One night, the show Elementary was on, and Lucy Liu was on screen for a scene. And without missing a beat, my older niece said she looks like an alien, referring to her Asian appearance. And my mom, sister, and myself especially lost our collective shit, and the living room erupted in laughter. After we, um, after we collected ourselves, my sister made... <laughs> that just reminded me of something... My sister uh, made known she was unamused at her daughter's comments on the actress. What a great memory. My, uh, in my opinion, Lucy Liu's appearance, ignoring the possibility that she's a raging liberal, I donk her. She ain't bad. Okay. Well, there you go. See? That we have come full circle all these years later. Um, I would, me and my brother, when we were younger, maybe third third grade me anthony first grade maybe fourth and second i don't know but not not too old um whenever the winter olympics would come around in our childhood we loved watching all the olympics with my father and my grandmother all at my grandmother's house just everybody aunts cousins everybody around for these types of things on a nightly basis on the weekend if there's some sort of a an event on a pageant, a, a sporting event like like the Olympics, especially in the winter time when the figure skating was on. Doesn't matter if it was Olympics or not. If there's a, fi- a big national or international figure skating competition, we were watching it at the house, and Anthony and I we loved watching it because we we knew that there was a possibility that somebody might fall. And every time we saw them gearing up for a big jump, we were like, here it goes, here it goes. And even my father, everybody who wants them to land it, they're all like, whenever somebody jumps. And when the falls happened, oh man, me and my brother, we would would start snickering. And then, you know, my father would become indignant. He'd be like, they work so hard. Stop that, you know? And that's ultimately why we do stuff like that because we wanted to get a rise out of my father. Because when he got angry, uh, there was no really no repercussions. It was just funny. See, you don't want to you don't want to raise children like that, where they think that when you're when you're angry, it's funny and there's no repercussions. So that that was us. We, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if it was Michelle Kwan or another another Asian, a very uh, a very um, very popular Asian or Japanese figure skater at the time that was in all of those competitions and when we were younger like like young like nine and below uh my father get very upset with us because we she also had a very flat face and it wasn't racist for us or anything like that it wasn't because we oh well she's asian therefore nothing we just saw this flat face and we we didn't know her name at the time so we would refer to her as bashed in face it was the most unclever name you can give to somebody who has a flat face. We just called her Bashton face. And um, my, my father didn't appreciate that either. So that more, more memories. More memories. All right. All right. Let's go. A couple more. A couple more. But my uh, Aurora, we showed Aurora some figure skating the other day, and she really liked it. She started, she started doing this, you know and gliding around the living room. So we, we, I, 
I thought that was fun. Any excuse I have to watch figure skating, I'm fine with it because they're going to have to try to jump and they're going to have to get through me. You want to be a figure skater and land that triple Lutz? You're going to have to get through me and my brother. We'll be waiting for you on the other side of that jump. You better land it because then you have to hear from us. All right. Let's see. All right. Uh, a couple more of these. And then we're going on down. Laura Elizabeth says, just want to preface this with we are not racists. Oh, boy. Here we go. Okay, now on to the story. Our oldest sons at the time were four and six. They were watching They were watching Into the Spider-Verse movies. Oh, that was, that was recently. Uh, the main character is a young black boy who at the beginning of the movie ends up in a cop car because his dad is a police officer. Uh, one day, the boys were in the living room watching the movie, and my husband and I were in the kitchen doing dishes while we, were, while we heard laughter and screams of laughter from our boys. Our four-year-old shouted, Ryan, the black face is going to jail. Needless to say, my husband and I just about died a few days later in the doctor's office in Albany, New York. Our same boys were counting the black faces that walked by the window. Oh, no. Oh, no. Guys, stop this. Stop. As much as I thought it was terrible, it was also extremely innocent. We talked them, talked to them about skin color after this, but we also had a good laugh in private, of course. Thanks, Marvel Entertainment. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that the uh, the the diversity division at Marvel really loved that story. I'm sure they enjoyed that story. Everything that they do over there to try to make the world right. And this is all this is this is all the kids see? All the backbending we do, and still we just can't get into the mind of a child and make them see things for what they aren't. All different color faces, people walking around, and you just learn decorum and etiquette as you grow up. That's just it. That's just it. Okay. All right, all right. Let me go into the super chats just to make sure we got everything. Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley said, when my 30-year-old girl was four... She asked why the sky was blue, not having an answer. I said, I don't know, because it is. She said, no, it's because it's God's favorite color. Same, uh, same as why the water is blue. It's everywhere. That's interesting. That's very, that's very based. That's a based answer right there. Jesse Woke says, similar to your, your funeral story, my brother, who happens to be uh, schizophrenic, and I were in the front row at our cousin's wedding, as she was walking down the aisle, he turns to me and says, dare me to incite an outrage? I started laughing uncontrollably. Incite an outrage. That's, I love the wording on that. Yes, cacao. What's going on, Justin? Justin says, on the laughter tip, I've heard that there are laughter bars in India. It's one of the more contagious human experiences the Joker knows. I like to imagine a, a bar full of people crying with laughter, unable to stop. Alternatively, there's laughter yoga. Well, that's, that's really the effect that happens when Matt and I get each other riled up. Um, I, I, I mean, we brought Lauren to... To, to tears just because we're laughing I like that I like when people around you just start falling apart because you guys literally cannot stop it's it's fun thing it's a wonderful thing I think it's one of our best features as humans to be honest I think so 
All righty. On to Rockfin. Pragmatic Peacock says, just flexing. Love you, Frank. Uh, your cute little family, too. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peacock. And Todd Fife with another wonderful tip. Todd Fife exclusively on Rockfin. I love the 30 to 45 people that hang out on Rockfin. I really do love it there. I love knowing places like that exist. Um, yes. Yes, it's all good. All right. So now listen, I have to, I got I to gotta say a few things. I got a, a couple, a lot of you guys and gals have reached out and you've, um, you've expressed your condolences over the loss of, of my good friend, my entire life, uh, Pam. I, I was so happy to get all those, those letters and I passed them along to people um, and just let them know. And I just wanted to talk a little bit more about her for you guys and gals because some of you actually do have seen her on the show before though it's been a long long time and the last time she called in it was just over the phone I think it was the night that I called I was looking all over for the episode today I was looking all over the episode she called in I wanted her to call in because I wanted to ask her about what was missing what was missing in the romance department for young the younger generation these days, because there was a, a trend going on, maybe about two or three, four years ago, who knows, where uh, millennials were were getting engaged by putting um, engagement rings inside of avocados. Like there was a there was a couple of years where everybody was going avocado crazy. Do you remember that? I mean, avocados are they're popular. I mean, they've always been a food. It's not like a Tickle Me Elmo. They weren't just invented. But I feel like four years ago, it was insane where everybody was adding an avocado toast to their menu, things like that. It was just going over the top. And people were putting, uh, you know, almost like you're opening up a, a, a jewelry box for your engagement ring. They were doing it with avocados. And I said, Pam, who is a consummate commentator, on all things that are good and and solid and lasting and romantic and, and etiquette and all that, she is probably going to have a uh, a field day with how cheap this is. And we did. We had a good time. I just couldn't find the episode. I was going all the way through the the SoundCloud. I'm sure I'll find it eventually. But I wanted to talk a little bit more because I couldn't say too much last night. And this is how we're going to end the show. My dear friend Pam, maiden name Palmer. Pam Palmer. That's the name we always would ask. Is Pam Palmer coming over tonight, Dad? If there's ever a special occasion. Pam Palmer, is Pam and Maria coming over? Well, one day we were talking, she and I, about eulogies. And it, we were talking about it in a way to discuss the differences between good and bad writing, since we talked about funerals tonight and all that other stuff. Good and bad writing, eulogies. And she said to me, she can't stand going to funerals and having people standing before an audience, a congregation, and and when they're, they're there to say something about the deceased, to say something like, mom was the greatest mom in the world. She was kind, she was always there when you needed her, and blah, blah, you know, stuff like that. And Pam would say, lots of people Lots of people think that their mother was the greatest mother in the world. Tell me something about her. Tell me something about her. You know, that, and, and that's, that was a huge, a huge way of articulating there of good storytelling. 
what are you going to do to tell me about a character and, uh, and get this really across? So I hope that I can get a few things about Pam across to you guys. Most, um, like, most of what I can tell you is about her use of language because it's really was the basis of everything that she was. Last night, I, as I told you, she earned degrees in literature and theater and English education. And I was thankfully a beneficiary of a lot of that. A lot of that. And when she put those powers to use, the powers of language to use for everyday gossip and just telling a story from her personal life, it was sometimes unfair how hilarious it was. Unfair. It really, really is. Um, I sat in on some creative writing classes that she had did for even summer camps for children. She said, you should come by. And, and I would whenever, whenever I could. And I always loved her exercises for the, for the children because she urged, like everything else, description. Description, description, smells, tastes, touch, making associations, similes, metaphors. Describe whatever you're doing. Describe it. And when you're writing, try to find something human and eternal about your story so that whether the story is set in the 1950s, the 1850s, or the year 3050, it will mean something to the reader because it will be plugged into something that is eternally human. You know, love, jealousy, hope, betrayal, triumph, uh, loss, grief. And boy, did she grieve. And I can't... You know, I, I can't tell any, say anything really about Pam without talking about her grief because she would be the first one to tell you that she, she, didn't, she didn't have the happiest life. When all was said and done, there was a lot of burden. And thankfully, she had a good core. She had a very good core of friends and she had an incredible sense of humor. Um, her daughter Maria died... Uh, when she was 26, I believe it was, uh, she overdosed in her childhood bedroom from heroin on new year's day, 2006. And, uh, Maria was gorgeous, just as sharp as her mother. And as, as I, you know, I, I, as much as I loved her, she also intimidated the hell out of me because she just picked people apart. She could just dismantle a person. And I never wanted to be her target. But thankfully, she had a soft spot for me and Anthony our whole lives. And, and we had it easier than most. But when it, as it came to Maria, time would always stop when she and I would bump into each other somewhere or whenever they would come by for a, a family gathering and we gossiped about our parents or we gabbed about nothing at all and nothing in particular. And we'd always end by saying, we must do lunch. Let's do lunch. And it, it almost became, a, it did. It became this tradition to invite each other out to the lunch that would never come. And the burger that would never be ordered. The appetizer, the appetizer pickle and coleslaw that would never be served and left uneaten. It just would never happen. And God, that, that, that still tears my heart out of my chest to these days. She was really my first friend. Same thing for Anthony, though Anthony was two years behind us. Now she was about three or uh, four or five years ahead of me. Three, four or five years ahead of me. Anyway, 
I remember we used to play a lot in the in my grandmother's backyard. She had this shed we called the playhouse, and it was there. It's an intergenerational thing. My parents played in there when they were children. My aunts, they all played in there, had their little campouts. Then it was ours. It just it just kept going on. It is a dilapidated little husk of a house right now with the roof caved in. It really looks, looks horrible, but it's it just another tale of the passage of time. And I remember we would we would play house in there all the time. And I would always, it was never just about, okay, well, I'm the, I'm the dad and Maria's the mom and Anthony's the, uh, Anthony's the, the, the something. The, we would never actually let Anthony be human, to be honest. It was either Anthony was the dog like, I don't know why he couldn't have just been the son. It's just so stupid. But uh, we said, no, Anthony, you're, you're, you're like the German shepherd or something like that. And it was never just as easy as, all right, I'm coming home from work. Hello, honey. Let's make some fake dinner and have ourselves a, a fake meal and, and, and whatever. It was, I knock on the door and I, I was away at like in the war for the last three or four years and I, I'm away at the war and I come and knock on the door and I'm apparently unrecognizable because at first Maria would open up the door, she would see me and she, she like shoo me away like I was a, an obnoxious encyclopedia salesman or something like that. She'd shoo me away and then she realized, I'd, I'd, be, like, I'd be like, honey, it's me. And then she realized, oh, oh my God. And, you know, then, then we, we reunite and she comes in, she tries to, you know, welcome me home and make me something to eat and all that. And of course, our loyal dog, our loyal dog, Anthony, is just sitting there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. But anyway, those are the kinds of things. That and the spectator sport of enraging my father. Maria loved watching my father get mad as well. She understood. She understood. And Anthony and I, we were completely willing to go out on a limb to just make him want the world to end because it just, it, it was amazing, especially in the mornings that we would all carpool together to school. And, um, and when she died, I, I didn't, I hadn't even known how bad she was sick with the dope and, and all, and all that. I, I, I couldn't even tell you, but Pam's struggles were mighty. Pam's struggles were mighty when Maria died. And of course, leading up to it, the grief just warped her. And um, I don't know, she was just living in a different dimension. She, she, she had a sense of humor, though, like I said, that, that kept her afloat. And she wrote about her grief a, 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 a great deal in this book entitled Swish, which she published in 2007, that I got to find a way of, of getting, getting out to people more now because she left it to me. She didn't, she didn't leave much to anybody. Um, but one thing she left to me was a book that she that she published. She said it's it's all the whole thing is mine. The book, and I want to. I just want make. I want to make sure people read it. I don't know. Maybe I set up a scholarship with whatever kind of um, proceeds come from it. I have to try to find a way to reach Outskirts Press or something like that. But she published this in 2007, just you know, less than a year after Maria had died. And um, I found this excerpt from it. I just want to put it into into words. It's it's rough, but here's an excerpt from the book. Then it was Sunday, and still November. She called me, Maria, 
She called me and asked me to bring her some food. She told me where she was, the section of town where the human rats live. I got there and pulled over. She walked across the street to my car. I hardly recognized her. Her hair was up, all matted and dirty. Her skin was so pale. Her green eyes had no luster at all. She had no expression and was wearing a tan and plaid bum's coat. I promised myself I would stay calm, not scream or yell or cry or tell her to get in the car like I did so many times before. I handed her the food, but I broke. I broke all the way down to my birth, to my own death. I broke from my stomach to my heart to my soul. My lungs collapsed and changed places with my throat. I broke everywhere and was all over breaking, never to be whole again. And that that was the kind of pain that she managed. And I know anybody who has lost children uh, manages every day, day to day, some days easier than others. And thankfully she had good friends. She had good friends. And um, like all the people who stuck with her though, in the last 16 years, I, I never even attempted to try to help her make sense of it. How can you? You just gotta be there for people sometimes, the, for the good days, the bad days, and the worst days. And, um, but the first thing I did, first thing I did when I had the chance, probably around 2009 or so, probably around 2009 is when it all really started up. I, um, I got her to start walking with me. Maybe, maybe actually a little bit sooner. Maybe 2008 is when the walking started. But I got her to start walking with me. We had a very good run at that, especially in those years that we were walking at Playland at the, uh, the boardwalk right outside the Long Island Sound. We even braved a tropical storm once, and I have a picture over here. Where's the picture? Here, here's, the picture of, um, here's the picture of Pam trying to uh, knock open the, the, now the, you see that, the padlocked gate. It was a really bad storm that day, and they said, no, 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 you can't, um, you can't go out onto the pier because it was dangerous. But still, we were hell-bent on going on out there, and she said, take a picture of me <laughs> trying to knock down the door. <laughs> I took a, This is earlier on in the week, I think. There's Pam. Look at uh, Mischievous. You see that? That is a mischievous face. She's a mischievous person. Always tries to put you in a situation where you, have to get, you get uncomfortable and have to react in a way you didn't expect to. But um, when she would call me to cancel our walks, I, I would go over to her house anyway just to talk for a couple of hours. And on those days, I knew that she probably had probably stayed up all night eating because food was how she comforted herself. She binged a lot. But she was very self-deprecating and very she was not pretentious at all, would talk very bluntly about it all, just fine. And I, I'd ask, I'd ask her, on the day that she would cancel a workout with me or a walk, I'd say, so what'd you do last night? And that's when she would look at me with the cigarette, with the cigarette, and just go, oh, Frankie. Oh, Frankie, with this smile as she's exhaling. Oh, Frankie. Like she had the secret to tell me about someone else. Like she wasn't just about to narc on herself. Oh, and, and that's why I knew it was bad. Oh, Frank. That's what I knew it was going to be bad, where it was a half a gallon of ice cream or something like that. And um, but um, and then and, and even though she but even though she struggled with her weight, she was always very meticulous about her appearance, and she enjoyed 
tanning at the beach with like my mother and Tony, always out there with them. And she'd say to me, or and probably anybody else, she'd say, Frank, tan fat is better than pale fat, or tan fat is better than not tan fat. Just I'm gonna get a tan one way or another. That, that'll just bring me one step up from where I am. And then there were those writing sessions when I finally got her to write with me because uh, she had put herself on the shelf and I begged her to work with me. And, um, and she had to know that what I was writing, because it was my first attempts at things, that they weren't really the best. But even so, there, there we were toiling away on manuscripts together and she was suddenly back at work. And that was the most important most important thing and it was it was fun for me i felt invigorated she was having a good time and it was just ash ashtrays ashtrays packed with cigarette butts stained with that corvette red lipstick endless streams of coffee just pots and pots of coffee gallons and gallons of half and half tuna fish sandwiches tomato soup skillet sensations omelets um I'll be remembering things that, that she said in dribs and drabs for the rest of my life. I, <laughs> one, uh, I once asked her to come on the show years ago. I asked her to come on a show for a Friday night broadcast years ago. And she said, Frank, Frank, I can't. Pete, Pete goes out to play cards on Fridays. That's my masturbation night. <laughs> so I, remember, like, I, I think a couple of... Um, she had made some kind of a comment like that too because i would keep asking her, you want to come by the show tonight she would remind me and i remember the next day so how'd everything go she goes he didn't even go play cards he even he takes even that from me but anyway years later i forgot i i forgot where what we were even talking about where i ended up asking her how do you stay sane and she said i don't i smoke i take clonopin i gained 150 pounds and i suck dick in the projects I suck dick in the projects. Jeez, things like this would just come out. And I, I, so, and I would always just be writing things down. She said, what are you writing down? I said, you know what I'm writing down? Just like my father, they know what they're saying. They know that it's just, just the, the best, most hilarious nuggets. I've written things down, I've recorded conversations. I don't have many saved, but I, I remember I was at her house when the white smoke went up at the Vatican for Pope Francis in 2013 I was there um, and her husband had called out from the other room where he spent most of his time and um, he said oh, they, they picked the Pope you know they picked the Pope so and Pam goes just in her way she's Frank go, go see who the who the new Pope is I have to go, the, go get the towels out of the dryer it, it's just things like that I'm it, always mixing the extraordinary with the mundane just the the electing of a pope and the changing of clothes in a dryer it was like it's like finding these little easter eggs in every conversation that most people aren't even looking for and that's the kind of thing that's the kind of thing that will it'll just it's it's irreplace, irreplaceable those little easter eggs and for a time there i think i was actually writing a lot of the short stories that i was doing mainly because I just wanted to see her reaction to some of my observations that I put down and tried to form narratives around as she was proofreading. I think I just wanted to see her reactions to things. If she laughed at certain jokes, if she, if she, uh, you know, if I, if, if I saw, if she took, 
if she took off her uh, her glasses and she wiped a tear away from her eye or something like that in her little way frank i just that i think that's why i was doing it like saint francis saint francis with the with the washing machine halo um the church the church where aurora was baptized off to the side at the edge of the property the property adjoins uh, is just pretty much it comes up close to a uh, another building that is a has a laundromat on the first floor it used to be a uh, a breakfast spot and a place where we, when we got out of school we would go there it's called carousel and we could get ourselves you know candy and things like that but in the morning it was a nice breakfast spot where you can go there and have pancakes and eggs and all that and all the old timers would be there wonderful we th- this town used to have wonderful places like that wonderful places before it all was intentionally changed across the whole fucking country and um and the laundromat the way that it, it butts up against the church's property you have this statue of saint francis of assisi and he's standing right in front of a window and one night as i was driving by uh driving down the road and i'm passing by the church and i see saint saint francis in front of this window and behind his head perfectly was a, it had like eclipsed there was a a washing machine that was active and you just saw this soapy frothy halo that had formed around his head she went wild for those kinds of the, the, that imagery when i found a way to incorporate that into a story or something like that she went wild for that kind of imagery loved it and i, I would run things like that back to her like i was a dog fetching bones i just it just it forced me to just look at things differently to make different types of observations and maybe it's stuff i was already doing but now i was doing it with a little bit more purpose and um and and we would even joke about like anticlimactic ways that we might die still do that stuff and it things that i'll laugh about still when i when i need to laugh i'll think about it one time pam had said she said, Frankie, I can see it now. The paramedics will load me into the ambulance. This is what's going to happen. She said, the paramedics are probably going to load me into the ambulance. And the last thing I'll hear before I go is one paramedic saying to the other, we're out of saline. Those little, those little absurdities. We're out of saline. I mean, because that's how she would write a play. That was the end of the scene right there. We're out of saline. And the lights go out. It, it, is, it was just... It was an embarrassment of riches when it came to that kind of, that kind of, um, that just kind of, that that wit and that rhythm. You know, we talked movies all the time. Sopranos was a big thing for us to bond over. The characters, her favorite characters, the Sopranos were Johnny Sack and Ginny Sack. And again, it wasn't so much because of the money laundering plots and the murder and all that. It was for the little details, for the mannerisms. It was for the comments about food and dieting and how women did their hair, especially if you grew up around here. And, um, and then loss and parents and children and being sick. It just kills me that Pam was never able to know Aurora outside of the pictures and the videos that I sent her. Fucking COVID. Everybody, she's born in 2020. Everybody is keeping ridiculous amounts of distance from each other. It's just getting worse and worse. We barely saw each other the last uh, year and a half. And um, I don't know, just always making plans that never came to pass. Much like how Maria and I would always quip about how we must do lunch. But um, 
I don't know. Also kills me. Just kills me. I wanted Aurora to go always go to a uh, a Mets game with Skip. Now she'll never be able to go to complain about her parents to um, to Pam. I know Pam would have loved another generation of Valbiro to gossip gossip with. Love. She would have loved that. That would have been three generations of Valbiro that she can gossip with. And um, like I said, she didn't leave much behind, but she did leave me the rights to her book. This beautiful little 104-page creation that um, that she wrote, and I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to get it back into print and 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 in people's hands. But it's just constant reminders, ladies and gentlemen. We are a mere flash away, just a mere flash away. And I have a couple of flashes over here. Here's a um, here's a picture of Pam in October of 2007. This is when I, I said, Pam, listen, we need you. Still very very raw for her in 2007, obviously, coming up on two years of Maria dying, and I said we need you, Pam. We're having a, a Halloween party. Uh, me and Anthony and Mike were putting a Halloween together for our uh, our our founding show, Zadal's in New York. So we're having our Halloween party, and we need. We were wondering if you will do fortunes. Will you tell people's fortunes? Can you be a fortune teller? And she said, absolutely. She said, she, so she dressed up her name. She was Madame Zadalza, Madame Zadalza, and she would show up every year and do people's fortunes. And they were incredibly, raucously funny, raunchy as all hell. She would embarrass couples, uh, men, women alike, embarrass everybody. And it was just, and here she is, just, I, I don't know, again, the coffee, the power of Madame Zadalza. But look at the affection for the coffee. And now here's the more intense. Give us some intensity, Pam. <laughs> that's uh, that's it. And, and then there's another there's another one here. Oh, here's uh, there here's Pam with my mother. She's giving my mother a um, a look into the future. So this is in 2007. This is the first time. Fortunes told here. Now this is 1994. What I'm going to show you is 41 seconds. I went down. In, I, I knew it was out there. I told people about this on the Sunday stream. This is 1994, uh, our, our yearly Halloween party at, at my grandmother's house. My father would put it together. These were wonderful memories. They were amazing events. I got to I gotta just play them in their entirety off air sometime on off-peak programming on the, on the website. But here was Pam arriving as the Bronco. O.J. Simpson's Bronco. This is in 1994. You get a glimpse of Maria, too. She just showed up in a big white white sheet. She had the Ford logo on the front with a little drop of blood. And um, and it, here it is. And then Lisa's husband said to me today, you should just put a box and then the windshield. Oh, that's hysterical. Oh, look at that gorgeous cake, my God. Marie, were you clown? No, it looks so great outside. Court Jester. Oh, that's great. I want Frank and Anthony to see the cake. Look at the cake, So that was that. And um, I know there's more out there. I have to find it all. I have to find it all. But for now, it's just 
boatloads of personality, made every room better, and that's that's it. I'll have those those stories popping up in my head forever, and I don't know. As far as grief goes, it's 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 weird for me right now because, like I said, I'm I'm numb. I'm pretty I'm pretty numbed out after this year. It's just you know when you get go through that breakup phase with with some a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and uh, it, it, especially if it's a rough one, it gets to the point where you 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 no longer have any ability to to just even react to anything. Uh, it's like that now after my grandmother and Skip and now Pam. It's just too much, um, and especially now that I have so many legal obliga- uh, obligations as her executor. I um I don't know. We'll we'll see when I have some quiet time to really keep this in frame. But um I just wanted to remember her a little bit with you and introduce you many of you to her and um hopefully one day I can find more substantive video. I wish I had all those archives of her show that she did not in this studio, actually a few in this studio, but mostly in the old studio with my father. A lot of those archives got wiped out and I I would I wish I could put them up because she used to make my father uncomfortable some nights she was very based she would stir the pot a lot king loved her king and 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 uh and pam actually had a nice little relationship on the side she was very she was very based (laughs) king loved her um but uh no actually hold on here he is king hey king King, you there? What's going on with that? I don't know. It's not muted, so I don't know what's going on. Anyway, that's all for me. It's 9.07. I just wanted to introduce you to my friend Pam. And uh, I'm going to try one more time. Hold on, here's King. King? King? Hey, what's happening? Hey, what's going on? I'm giving you the last word. Well, I, I just called in to uh, remember Pam with you there. That was a great lady there, if you remember. Yeah. Back in the, the thousand days when you and her dad used to do a show. And uh, her and I used to make the most inappropriate jokes and inappropriate comments. Uh, fucking great. Remember? Oh, yeah. How your dad used to used to desperately try to reel us in, like Alex Jones trying to reel in Kanye. Yes. 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 That was pretty good. It's, uh... Now, I always remember, uh, she was fucking great. She was really fucking great. People, uh, your audience out there have no idea how fucking great she really was. I gotta... I considered her a... I considered her a kindred spirit. I'm sure. And and I and I can see that too. And uh, of course, she like she was wild and and uh, just a a, one, a wonderful presence. And I, I definitely have some heavy lifting to do to try to keep her relevant uh, on this show over the years to come. Uh, especially for those who don't have any real clue, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough thing to put into words. But you know, you, you still gotta try. And I'm I'm glad you called in, man. Thank you. Nah, not a problem, man. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Have a good night. Take care. And I'm sure the next time that my father and my mother are in later on in the month, 
I, I, I have to imagine that uh, we'll be talking about Pam at least a little bit. But thank you guys. Thank you guys for letting me do things like this on this show. It is about living. It is about... It is just about the, the journey here. And, um, and that's why we do what we do. So we will talk to you soon. And I hope that you guys enjoyed the evening. Otherwise, a lot of laughs, a lot of mystery. A lot of marvelous things. And tomorrow is another day. It's Wednesday. It's the seventh day of December. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with American Girl 3, Annie Oakley, Jesse Woke, Yes Cacao, Stostu, Revolution, St. Nicholas, and Snow Job. Thank you to Pragmatic Peacock and Todd Fife, and to all of our wonderful friends on Foxhole. You've been wonderful to me. Tomorrow's another day. Thank you for tonight.